listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of ST Times. And now, here's Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of ST Times. Welcome, everyone, to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of ST Times. Today, we have kind of a sober topic, as we'll be talking about the uh, ramifications of the recent report by the United Nations, which declared the climate crisis as a code red for humanity. So uh, with me today is uh, Ali Fenn. She's the president of a company called IT Renew. Uh, Ali, thanks for being here with us today uh, as we start this conversation on climate change and the impact of uh, IT industry uh, on that change. Thanks very much, David. Pleasure Let's, to be here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Nice to meet you. So maybe you can explain what IT Renew does and how you made your way there. Sure. Happy to. So. Um, IT Renew is in the business of orchestrating a, a global circular economic model for the IT hardware industry. And what that means in kind of plain English is, you know, technology uh, races along uh, through generation after generation and is oftentimes not used for its full lifetime. And so we work with companies that necessarily refresh equipment and upgrade equipment very quickly. So think about the largest global hyperscale cloud service providers who always do need to stay a pace of the latest and greatest for because they're pushing the boundaries on kind of macro level efficiencies. And then we work with them. We take all of their a lot of their equipment out of their data centers. These are fleets of millions and millions and millions of servers. And then we transform that equipment into equipment that is useful and usable by the broader enterprise and global markets. So we create second lives for equipment that serves to not only maximize the financial value of the assets, but also maximize sustainability in two forms. One is it defers a tremendous amount of e-waste, avoids a tremendous amount of e-waste, and it defers a, a corresponding amount of new emissions tied to manufacturing. And it turns out that manufacturing is actually the biggest component of carbon impact tied to IT. So we're, we're, we're in a, a fortunate kind of win-win situation where we're between our upstream partners, the hyperscalers and downstream partners, kind of enterprises and others who consume this equipment in a variety of form factors globally. We're, we're maximizing both the financial and the sustainability impact and, and, Happily, the sustainability impact is is now every bit as much of a driver as the, as the financial one for for many of the the clients we work with. Mm -hmm. So, what was your background? How did you find your way into this? Um, my background is all uh, enterprise and cloud infrastructure technology company building. I started my career as an investment banker, and then very quickly learned I wanted to build things uh, and jumped into the operating side of the world. And I've been doing that around the world in various places for the last twenty years or so. And I, uh, in 2015, I had the very good fortune of um, being able to take a, a bit of a step back and, and think about what I wanted the next phase of my career to look like. And I decided to very concertedly focus it on trying to align some of my personal passion areas with my career experience. And that led me to a focus on sustainability. Actually, interestingly enough, it started with oceans. How am I going to help save the oceans, right? How about this plastics and marine litter in the oceans? Sure. And I, uh, after doing a bunch of ocean research in Honduras and uh, other places, I realized that it was probably not a wise decision to become a marine biologist at this point in my career, <laughs> but that I could tackle the waste problem of our kind of global disposable linear society upstream by thinking about technology and business model innovation that could 
bend the arc more towards a circular and more sustainable model, right? Where things are regenerative by design, we keep things in use for as long as possible, all those good things that come with a more circular model. So I, I, I shifted my focus and, and serendipitously got introduced to IT Renew, which, which represents, I think, uh, you know, the, the best platform that I have seen uh, to kind of launch off and really, really catalyze a transformation in the industry. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. So, uh, so a lot of this conversation, of course, is tied to that uh, recent uh, report from the United Nations that came out, uh, basically uh, declaring the climate crisis a code red for humanity. Uh, what percentage of uh, these harmful uh, carbon emissions and things would you say come from the technology industry? Is it a, is it a major piece of what's causing the problem? I mean, we, we always talk about, uh, you know, fossil fuel emissions and things like that. But how big is the footprint of, of our industry? Well, so I think the 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 most concerning reporting that I've seen uh, actually comes from the, the shift project based in Europe. And that projects that the global technology industry is on pace to go from about 4% of global emissions to about 8%, right? That's obviously going the wrong direction, right? At the same time that everybody is trying to curb GHG uh, emissions, like we are, you know, at, at least, you know, we're certainly not doing our part and we're not doing, you know, there's a lot of progress going on. Let me say that there is a lot of progress going on. There needs to be more and we need to expand the scope of the focus areas to, to make sure that we're not going the wrong direction, right? Because we do absolutely have, uh, you know, the technology infrastructure that is, is in play in the world is accelerating exponentially and it is not going to slow down, right? Connected everything, smart everything, remote everything. And it's poised to solve some of the, 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 the biggest challenges and opportunities that we have as a global society. So there's immense positive potential, but we have a responsibility to make sure that there's not a corresponding uh, kind of catastrophic and outpaced climate impact as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when, when we talk about uh, things that are harmful to the environment. I mean, it's obvious you see smokestacks, you see car exhausts, you see smoke going up into the air. That is something you can kind of grasp. When we talk about e-waste and and the and the footprint that our industry makes, what are we talking? Are we talking about abandoned machinery? Are we talking about uh, you know the 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 systems themselves that are giving off uh, you know certain energies and and things? You know, where is where is the problem there? Yeah, so there's, um, I think there's a, a couple ways to look at it. So if you think about kind of the life cycle of equipment, IT equipment, right? You can you can kind of break it into three phases, right? There's a pre-use phase, there's a use phase, operational, and then there's a post-use phase, right? And that applies to whether it's a rack of servers in a data center or whether it's your iPhone or or whatever. And it's interesting when you do a life cycle analysis, obviously it varies across products, categories, if you're thinking about consumer, but in the data center space, there's really two, there, there's really three issues to tackle, right? And three implications from a carbon perspective and a, a kind of sustainability perspective. Mm-hmm. So if you look at, if you do a life cycle analysis across those three phases, what's clear is that we've actually made very significant progress in that middle phase, in the use phase, right? So operational energy of data, principally of data centers. And this is, everybody has, has you know, a lot of the biggest guys have done a good job of, of situating their, their mega data center campuses near very 
you know, green grid environments, so Arctic Circle, Hydro, and so forth. Um, and they've done a really good job of, of, you know, doing offsets and credits and so forth so that their, their overall footprint has come down. And we've done a tremendous amount in technology innovation on power efficiency. So PUE is significantly better now, like 3x than it was, you know, even five, six, seven years ago. And so now what's true is that that operational use phase energy is actually the smallest part from a carbon impact. So now what's true is that that pre-use phase manufacturing phase of of IT equipment is where the bulk of the carbon is is still sitting, right? And so that becomes the next place we need to look. It becomes the next lever. And it's really tied to manufacturing, right? So so if we say now 75% potentially of the carbon is tied to that phase, then what do we do about it? Well, we got to figure out a way to maximize lifetimes in the aggregate. So we have to figure out a way to defer as much new manufacturing as we possibly can for as long as we can. And that's where circular economy comes in, right? Because you say, okay, wait a minute, if I can create a second life and maybe a third life, and I can keep, instead of just kind of harvesting components, I can keep equipment in its highest, like original utility value. So there's there's as, as limited waste and as limited kind of transformation as possible, then you get a giant win on the carbon perspective, like as much as, you know, 25% or more just by tackling that first phase and, get, and creating second lives for the equipment. So there's the carbon impact, right, uh, that we have to tackle from both those perspectives. And then at the end of life phase, it's actually the, the end of life carbon impact is actually tiny. You know, the latest data that we have shows that typically it's, you know, maybe two or 3% of the overall. And that's because Recycling processes and smelting processes and so forth have become quite sophisticated, right? But then you come into the the e-waste topic. So then the e-waste topic is, for some reason, despite all of the recycling and so forth, and I think, candidly, data centers do a pretty good job of this, a very good job of it, because it's much easier to control. But when you think about the global, broader technology environments, whether that's kind of, you know, corporate IT, SMB, consumer, and so forth, you know, we're still, we're generating 57 million tons of e-waste annually right now. And that number is supposed to go to 75 million by uh, 2025, right? So we have, you know, there's, I think about the challenge for the industry as both carbon related and waste related. Right. And, and the scale of both is, is, is enormous, right? right? So we've got to tackle both. And, you know, the, 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 what's interesting about what we're doing at IT Renew is that circular economy serves to do both, right? Because you create these closed loop supply chains that cascade equipment and recover equipment and so forth that, that both avoids new manufacturing mm-hmm. and it keeps waste out of the waste stream, even the recycling stream. Yeah. But what does that do to the manufacturers and the, the amount of sales that they can have? Obviously, you know, they come out with new versions of the phones every two years and people like the shiny new thing and, you know, phones they look at now as disposable uh, yeah. You know, how, how do you overcome that? I mean, that's a big challenge. Yeah. You know, I think the reality is there are always going to be people or companies who, for whatever reason, good, bad, or indifferent, are at the front edge of that curve and they're refreshing quickly. And in many cases, there is very good reason to do that. Right. Um, however, if we think about users and consumers of technology in the aggregate, we got 40% of the world not yet online. Right. And we have a massive, massive budget gap to be able to even think about getting to universal access, which benefits. It's not just about, you know, GDP and people being able to watch Netflix. It's about now healthcare and education and everything else and inequality and so forth. Right. So there's 
There's a huge positive reason to get everybody online and there's a huge lack of infrastructure. So if we start to be more sophisticated in how we think about users and usage and lifetimes in their aggregate, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily a bad thing that some people spin stuff quickly as long as it's recaptured and turned into secondary lives. And so that we're not kind of, you know, just throwing it in the, in the land heap or in the, the drawer or whatever. Right. Right. Exactly. Boy, that's uh, such a good point. So when you talk about, you know, using, is, is it a question of like, even in the manufacturing end on the front end, is it, what is causing all that waste? Is it the electricity that's being used? Is it the types of equipment that they have that are generating, uh, you know, harmful uh, environmental things? Yeah, it's principally the the processes, right? So everything from kind of mining of of materials up through component manufacture and assembly. Unfortunately, a lot of this, um, you know, the analysis we did that that derived that 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 result, which I referenced, which is about seventy six percent tied to manufacturing of carbon tied CO two e tied to manufacturing, twenty two percent tied to operations, and two percent tied to to end of life. Um, in that analysis, we had, you know, kind of a common data center deployment model, which is minerals are mined in, you know, wherever they're mined in Africa, and then the components are manufactured in China. Those grids are not very green, right? And so, and we applied different, you know, manufacturing techniques for steel, which and and some portion of recycled content in the steel and so forth. So, so we tried to 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 be as fair as we could be, but when you actually look at where and how the the electronic components are are manufactured, where systems are assembled and so forth, there's a big tax, right? Because those are places, you know, and I'm this is not just shining a light on on other parts of the world, right? The the grid is not very green in in Sterling, Virginia either, right? So it's um, you know, we have work to do everywhere. But yes, the the, the manufacturing phase is typically because the, those processes are so energy intensive and they're done in places that are not running on, on, on clean grids. Right, right. So, so uh, what do you think about the UN calling their report the code red? Is that uh, hyperbole? Is it time now that people actually will act? We've been talking about this, obviously, for you know half a century, that the earth is warming. And if we don't change our ways, we're going down a bad road. Uh, you know, what, what is it going to take to get people to finally get on board and, and start thinking about the environment that we have? You know, my, well, to, to your first question, I completely agree. It's code red. Um, I think we are on, you know, whether it's this report or whether it's, you know, there was a report a week or two ago about the fact that, that actually the Gulf Stream is in danger of, of slow, it's slowing enough that it's in danger of actually reversing, which would have catastrophic impacts. Um, like there, wherever you turn, there's another report. It is absolutely code red. It's right on. Um, my fear is that people have report fatigue and that the people who, who believe are, are already trying to do the right things, but oftentimes don't know how, right? Some of our biggest clients and partners have set audacious net zero goals um, and carbon negative goals, and they're authentic, but solving this problem is hard, right? It's very hard. And the big ch- problem is the supply chain globally. It's hard to get the entire value chain moved into a carbon neutral kind of a, a right. model. Right. So, so I think even the ones that are, you know, paying attention and care deeply, we're not going fast enough, right? Mm-hmm. 
And then the people who, you know, who don't believe um, and, and who prioritize other interests over, over the climate interests, you know, not, rec- not recommending that it's, it's against even financial interests to, to ignore it, you know, are just having fatigue and going to tune it out, right? So I, I don't know what it's going to take, but um, unfortunately, maybe more catastrophe than we're already seeing with, you know, wildfires in Turkey and Greece, Siberia and the United States and Canada and, uh, you know, Finland and, you know, right. something, something is going to shake somebody up, but, but we got to go faster. We, we got to go faster. Everybody. Well, and that's true. And, and, you know, we certainly appreciate efforts like yours and many other companies uh, around the world who are trying to, you know, take the right steps to, uh, you know, either slow or reverse what's happening, you know, to the climate. So, uh, Ali, listen, a very interesting conversation, you know, certainly food for thought, and hopefully more people will, you know, see what's happening and and get on board with some of these efforts. Uh, Nice to meet you again. Thanks so much for being here on What the Dev. Terrific. Thank you, David. Great to meet you. And thanks for having me. Okay, sure. And to all our listeners who join us, once again, I'm Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of SD Times. So long for now. 